thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Great. Well, um, if you've been coming for a while, we've been looking through the, the character of Elisha and what God is saying to us. So Elisha features mainly in 2 Kings and um, we're going to be looking at 2 Kings chapter 6 verses 8 to 23 as our main passage today. But uh, I want to ask you, first of all, what is the biggest challenge you have faced? What is the biggest challenge you've faced? For some people, it's getting to church for 11 o'clock. Ooh, that's controversial. Controversial. Especially when you've had an extra... Who's enjoyed an extra hour's sleep? And who's got children? Okay. They don't have that clock in their bodies, do they, that says, oh, you can stay in bed, but anyway. But what is the biggest challenge you face? Maybe, for some people, it might be a physical challenge, like the Keswick to Barrow. 40-ish miles, or 60-ish if you're Paul Hardingham, in one day across hills through all weathers. That might be a big challenge, okay? Maybe the challenge you face is being out of work. Maybe it's that struggle of not having that routine or believing that you are still worth employing even if you face rejection. Maybe that's a big challenge for you to be out of work in that situation. Maybe at the moment it's simply paying the bills. Or maybe for many it can just be getting out of bed to face another day. Maybe that's the biggest challenge. Which one of those is the biggest? Well, we shouldn't compare our challenges my brother used to tell a story about a little boy and his dad said to him, how much do you love me? And his little boy thought for a minute and went, oof, as big as a rabbit. Because to him, a rabbit was quite big. And then he said, well, how much do you love mummy? And which said, oh, as big as an elephant. Now, I don't think that was saying anything about the mum, okay? But we compare things, don't we? We're comparing all the times, yet whatever the challenge you're facing right now, whatever the challenge I'm facing right now, they are not too big for God. They are not too big for God, but also they are not too small for God. Don't think you can't cast your cares on him because actually you might not have as many at the moment. But what is the biggest challenge you've faced? You know, the last two weeks have been really hard for many people in this church. The last two weeks, particularly for families that have been involved in accidents, illnesses that have led to passing, challenges with family members, even the worry that everybody has and experiences with the cost of living crisis. The challenges we face are getting bigger and everyone right now in this room faces a different challenge, but we all face them. We all face them. And we often think, well, mine's not that big a problem. Or we might think, mine's bigger than yours. And actually, doesn't matter because God is bigger. And as we look at the passage today, it reminds us that God is with us no matter what we face, no matter what our circumstances, God is with us. If you don't like songs, you come to the wrong place. We like singing. It says that God inhabits the praises of his people. 
That's actually the version in the Book of Common Prayer that the Church of England use. God, the Lord, inhabits the praises of his people. That means as we sing, we experience some intimacy with God. As we lift him higher, not just singing songs, but praising him. But which of our challenges is the biggest? Well, today's passage explains that God is with us. He is bigger. He knows everything. He is powerful enough, and he is sovereign through it all. And this morning, you have all sung, so be careful what you sing. Our God is greater. So if you don't believe it, don't sing it. Our God is greater. He is higher. He is bigger. So let's read 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to read it in little bits. Verses 8 to 12 say this. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, tell me, which of you or us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Now there's a scary thought, isn't it? Elisha tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. What does that tell us? God is all everywhere. God is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is all present and powerful and knowing. Elisha was able to tip off the Israelites because he was in communication with God. And God said, you need to warn them, there's an ambush waiting. So number one this morning, God knows everything. Have you ever wished you were a fly on the wall? No? No? Because you're flies. You think you get swatted in my house, yeah? Would you, you know, some of us, might, we'd love to be able to see and hear and think and maybe see what goes on in somebody else's life sometimes. I think perhaps we've got enough drama of our own to worry about what's going on in other people's lives. You know, there's a Hamilton song in the musical where it goes, I want to be in the room where it happens, the room where it happens, the room where it happens, because he wanted to see what was going on. He wanted to know the discussions between, that was my audition, by the way, if any <laughs> amateur dramatics companies are doing it. It wasn't very good, but hey. He wanted to know what everyone was talking about. And in this passage, it says, Elisha knows because God tells him in the very room, he knows what you're talking about because God knows. The first thing to notice in the whole of today's passage is that not one person other than Elisha and God are named, okay? You know, we, a few weeks ago, if you were here a few weeks ago, we talked about the echoes of, of the past as well. So there's a few of that going on today. But the one thing that you need to notice is that Elisha is only named a couple of times. Most of the times he's just called the man of God. The king isn't mentioned isn't by name. He's just called the king of Aram. The only person that's really mentioned by name is God. And that's because in this passage, the writer is saying the focus isn't on everything else. The focus isn't on the people and the drama. The focus isn't on the characters and all that's going on. The focus has got to be on God. Even this, it even makes me laugh that it says, um, such and such a place. Doesn't even name the town. It just says, oh, they're going to such and such a place. 
There's a, there's a reason for that. It's because the only thing, and the only thing that's important in the whole of this passage is God. So when you're going through your daily life, that needs to be our focus. The only thing that really makes the most importance is God. He has to be the focus. We get the king, we get the servant, we get the men, and we get such and such a place. And even Elisha's only mentioned a couple of times. But God is there, present, and aware of all things. And do you know what? God is the same today as he was yesterday. He is aware of your present, your circumstances. He is aware of what you're going through. He is all-knowing. He knows the challenges you face. And Elisha is able to help Israel's king from being ambushed because he has a relationship with God. More on that later. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 13 to 16 go on to say this. Go, find out where he is, the king ordered. That's Elisha. So I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Don't be afraid. Do you know that is the most common thing Jesus said to his disciples? Don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Do not fear. Oh no. Second point this morning is God is with you and can bring you peace no matter what. God is with you. He knows your circumstances. He knows your challenges. And he can bring you peace no matter what. Do we believe that? Yeah, not, not too sure, are we? Not too confident with that one. One man and his servant are surrounded by an army to take him captive. That's the challenge. Elisha and his servant surrounded by an army. Hands up if you think that's a scary prospect. Yeah. Some people aren't. Some people have gone to sleep. You've had an extra hour in bed. Come on. <laughs> Be with me this morning, okay? Sometimes the challenge facing us is ongoing. And we go to bed hoping and praying that tomorrow will be different. That we might wake up and it's all a dream. The servant in this story goes to bed peacefully. He goes to bed at peace. There's no worries. Hakuna Matata, as Simba would say. He goes to bed and he sleeps. But in the morning, he wakes up and it's, ah! An army's on the doorstep. We're surrounded. What are we going to do? Oh, my days, we're going to be, we're going to be at, at the very least, we're going to be taken captive. At the very least, we're going to be taken away from what we care about. Sudden challenge for him brings sudden fear and immediate danger. Maybe that's our reaction when we see a challenge. Oh, no. What are we going to do? Panic. Panic. Elisha's response in that moment is... Don't be afraid. He can see the same thing. And he says, don't be afraid. He sees the same challenge. It's him thereafter, not the servant. He sees the challenge and his words are, don't be afraid. Still calm. Why is Elisha still calm? Because he knows and sees the truth. More on that later. The last line in that verse says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
Elisha is a man of God. He is God's prophet. Elisha worships the God who made it all, who sees it all and is in it all. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? We've sung it this morning. If our God is for us, then who can be against us? Who can stop us? It actually goes on to say we are more than conquerors. Who wants to be a conqueror this morning? Yeah? A conqueror, victorious. Romans tells us that in Christ we are more than. And yet often we start off defeated before we've even faced the challenge. And yet Jesus says you're more than a conqueror. If you're in me, you're more than. You've got this. Don't be afraid. Peace is yours. Yet there's two reactions when surrounded by this challenge. There's panic after peace. Or there's calm because they know that God is with them, which is us. Which is us in those situations? When we face a challenge, is it the panic of the, I don't know what I'm going to do? Or is it the peace that Elisha has and calmness knowing that God is with them? There's some verses in the Psalms that echo Elisha's words. Psalm 34 verse 7 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear them, fear him, and he delivers them. There's a promise for us, isn't it? The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. That doesn't mean trembling with terror. It means respect. So if you're a Christian this morning, if you respect and are obedient to his ways, not just coming to church on a Sunday and listening to some worship songs, but living that life, then the promise is there for us that the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he will deliver them. We're surrounded by God and his bigger army. Psalm 27 verses 3 to 4 say, Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. This is almost Elisha speaking, isn't it? Though an army surround me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. What does he ask in this moment? One thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. There is a connection between those two verses. I'm just looking at faces as people are like going, what are you going on about, Johnny? Verse three says, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. If we leave it there, we don't know how we get that. How do we get to that point? Verse four tells us, one thing I ask, I want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. That's how we get there. If we want that peace instead of the panic, if we want that calm instead of the fear, then we need to long to dwell in his house, to gaze on his face. Does it mean the challenges won't be scary? No, it doesn't. Jesus sweat great drops of blood in that garden because he was, he was fearful of what was going to come. But he was there with peace and he was obedient to it. Yeah? Now, here's a question for you. Where were they sent to go and look for Elisha? They were sent to a place called Dothan. Now, bearing in mind, this passage is full of people who aren't named in a place that's called such and such a place. And then it says, go to Dothan. Dothan is only mentioned twice in the Bible. Okay? Only twice in the Bible. The first time is earlier than this. I'll come to it in a minute. But remember what we said before, the echoes of the fathers we learned from as children. Do you remember that a few weeks ago? So this is an echo 
of earlier in the Old Testament. Does anyone know where Dothan is mentioned? Francis is racking up. Francis loves a quiz. She loves a quiz. I can see immediately ask the questions. He's like, oh, I've got to be first. I've got to get the answer. I've got to get the answer. I'll tell you for the sake of time. Dothan is where, jo- oh, way, way back many centuries ago, there's a clue, Joseph went to look for his brothers in Dothan. He was told by his dad, go and find your brothers in Dothan. And what happened when he went to Dothan? Well, his brothers beat him up, throw him in a pit, then they sell him into slavery. He goes from prison to prison, accused of rape. He goes into the dungeon in the middle of the palace. He gets forgotten about. That's where Dothan's mentioned. Elisha's Dothan, he has a total peace that God will overcome the situation and the challenge. But Joseph's Dothan was challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge. But the message is this, doesn't matter what your Dothan is, God is in the middle of it. That God is sovereign, God is overall, God is with you. God was with Joseph even though he was getting attacked, beaten, thrown in prison, all those things because eventually he ended up in the place God needed him to be and he said what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph's Dothan was a scary place, yet God was still in it. Joseph was still at peace with his God. Elisha's Dothan was very different. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 17 to 18 goes on to say this. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. I was going to play the music then, but I didn't. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Two simple prayers. Open his eyes, close theirs. That's that simple. Elisha knows that God is powerful. He prays two simple prayers and said, let this man see who is on his side. Let my servant know that he doesn't need to panic because the hills are full of a a, a bigger army, a bigger group of people, an opposition that can beat this army into the ground if it was so wished. Elisha says, open your eyes and see that the God has provided, that God is all powerful and he's able to do the impossible. Do you know, Elisha doesn't ask for something that is humanly possible. Often we pray things that we can actually sometimes achieve ourselves. Yeah? Elisha's prayer is one of, actually, God, I want you to show your power. Show your presence. Show that we might have peace in this challenging circumstance. He doesn't ask for a little bit of help with what he has. He asks for the incredible, and God answers in a spectacular way. Would you agree? open his eyes. This morning, my prayer for all of us, me included, is that God will open our eyes to who he is because he's bigger than you think and he's bigger than you've known. If you've known him for a long time, he's still bigger. Lucy in the Chronicles of Narnia says the closer you get to Aslan, the bigger he gets. The closer you get to God, the bigger he gets. There's more. It's like Jimmy Cricket. (laughs) He was a Christian, Jimmy Cricket. There you go. He knew there's more. Okay. My Irish accent, I apologise for anybody watching. 
God answers in a spectacular way. And this morning, and my prayer for you is that your eyes will be open. My prayers for me is that my eyes will be open to the more than of God. That God has got more than you think. He has got more in your situation than you could imagine. I think it's hot in here, isn't it? We need to turn the thermostat down. Okay. <laughs> Some people will be like, no, it's quite nice. Okay. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 19 to 23. I only say that because I can see people starting to nod off. Elisha told them, this is not the road. Elisha is now talking to this blinded army of people. Okay. God has blinded them. He hasn't defeated them and crushed them. He's just stopped them from being able to find their way around. He's stopped them from being able to attack Elisha. He's done the thing that can stop them doing danger and damage. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. Same prayer again. Open their eyes. Open their eyes. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Elisha has taken them into what effectively is a trap. But what does Elisha, the man of God, the calm, peaceful man of God, what does he do? He says this, do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Did you see here? They don't destroy or kill, they bless. They bless their enemy who've come to do them harm and what's the result of that blessing? They stop being attacked. It's not about revenge. The episode finishes with the potential for revenge and maybe even justice, but he's actually peaceful. And those who meant to do harm were fed, watered, and blessed. Can you see the results of forgiveness in blessing instead of hate and hurt? Yeah, we often do a course, and part of the course talks about forgiveness. A lot of people don't like to think about forgiveness. Forgiveness, though, is like you taking the splinter out of your finger that's hurt you. It does you good. But then when we do the prayer at the end, it says you've got to ask God to bless that person you're forgiving. Oh, now that's another matter. But let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it be good if that person's hurt you, wouldn't it be good if they became a blessing instead of did it to somebody else? That's what we're praying because we, want, we don't want the world to be full of people taking revenge. We want the world to be full of people who are a blessing to each other. And it's got to start with us as the church. Yeah? It's got to start with us as the church. Do you know, a whole nation can be impacted with peace and blessed as a result of forgiveness. That's the message. A whole nation can be impacted by one person's forgiveness. That's phenomenal, isn't it? Phenomenal. But... I said we were going to come back to something. The fact that Elisha prayed two simple prayers and God responded, that they were able to see beyond their circumstances in the moment. That's a prayer you can pray and I can pray that we'll see beyond our circumstances in the moment. The focus of this whole passage is God. We must decrease. Elisha is called a man of God and we're coming towards the end now. The servant panics. 
Yet Elisha is at peace. The king says, shall I kill them? But Elisha says, no, feed them, water them, send them home. Can you see the contrast? How do we achieve that contrast? Proverbs chapter one, verses 28 to 33 says this, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Now, that sounds harsh, doesn't it? But the contrast is this, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Whoever listens to me. Do you know there are many of us who are Christians who come week after week into church, we hear a message, we sing the songs, and we go back to a life that is going against what God has said. So that passage at the beginning says, the waywardness of the simple will kill them. It's a warning. A warning is a good thing, isn't it? As a parent, I've warned my children over the years. I've given them advice. I've said to them, this would be the option. This could be the option. But the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But here we go. If you're a Christian this morning, grab verse 33 of Proverbs chapter one. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. We need to listen and we need to do what we hear. We need to be obedient to God's word. We need to stop pretending that we're okay and we need to say, God, you've got to be number one. You've got to be my focus. You've got to be my all in all. I can't just come to church on a Sunday, do the house group on a Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever, sing a few songs through the week and expect life to be hunky-dory. Elisha and his servant faced the same challenges, but one panicked, one was peaceful. The king wanted to kill, but Elisha wanted to bless. How did he get that? Because Elisha cultivated a life of prayer and time with God. Elisha cultivated a life of a time, a, a life of time in prayer and time with God. He didn't just play a game. It wasn't some happy accident or coincidence that Elisha has this. He spent his time listening to God, focused on his God. Even in circumstances where his viewpoint was scary, his was one of security because he was secure in the knowledge that his God was with him. He was secure in the knowledge that his God was bigger. Didn't mean he didn't face challenges, but twice his prayer is to open eyes. Elisha was in his room with God, do you know, the time to prepare for this trial was not in the middle of the trial. It was before the trial happened. You know, I wasn't going to use this, but I'm going to use this as an illustration. This, this, this works on a simple level. It's not meant to be judgmental, so apologies if you take it that way. Uh, some of us went out on Street Angels on Friday night for the first time in ages. I'd forgotten I said I would do it, and when I got the email, I was like, oh, and actually, it was quite a quiet night until at around about quarter past two, three young people dropped to the floor because they'd basically taken ketamine and coke. One of them was in quite a serious way. And uh, his friends that were with him were panicking. The police were with them. We were there. There was two of us who were first aiders. He was responding and responsive. So he was breathing. He was okay. But his friends were panicking and screaming at us and telling us to get lost in no uncertain terms. 
because they'd phoned an ambulance half an hour ago and it hadn't arrived. And the sadness in me was that actually the ambulance wouldn't have been needed if they hadn't have taken the substances. Many of us, in the moments of crisis and challenge, are saying, I called an ambulance half an hour ago. Why is it not here? Yet we forget to recognize the things we've put in place that have led to the ambulance being called. Elisha didn't panic and call the ambulance in his hour of need. He cultivated a life of prayer. He cultivated a life of time. And he cultivated God above all. So in his moment of challenge and crisis, he remained calm. He remained peaceful. He remained willing to forgive. He remained willing to bless. So church... Don't be people who just call an ambulance after the fact. Let's be people who are preparing before it happens. The young men were okay. We walked one of them home. It's a scary thing that our young people are finding these things and it's the only way they feel they can get a good night. When actually, most of us are crying out for peace. Most of us are crying out for love. Most of us are crying out for joy. It wasn't found on the streets last, on Friday night. But it can be found in Jesus. It can be found in Jesus. Don't be people who suddenly pray. Don't see God as a last resort in the middle of the crisis. Don't see a prayer as an opportunity to twist his arm for what we want. Elisha had wisdom to deal with his army because he was given it by God through spending time in relationship with God. It's simple. Not easy, but it is simple. Prayer opens our eyes to spiritual reality and links us with God's winning majority. I've read a story, a real story, of something that's happened twice in the last two weeks, and I thought I'd finish with it, because it's amazing. Because you might listen to the story of Elisha and go, oh, I find that difficult to believe. If you're a doubter this morning, this is a, a thing that happened and was written about in 1991. A medical missionary to Africa who was speaking at his home church in Michigan told about how he would often had to travel by bicycle through the jungle to a nearby city for supplies. It was a two-day trip that required camping overnight at the halfway point. And when he got to the city, he would go to the bank, get money and buy medicine and supplies to take back. On one of these trips, he saw two men fighting. One of them had been badly injured, so the missionary treated his wounds and witnessed to him about Christ. He returned home without incident. On his next trip to town, the man he had treated came up to him and said, I knew that you were carrying money and supplies. Me and some friends had followed you into the jungle, planning to kill you and take your money and your drugs. But just as we were ready to move into your campsite where you were on your own, we saw that you were surrounded by 26 armed guards. That was why you found us fighting. When the missionary heard this, he laughed and he said, but I was all alone at that jungle campsite. But the man insisted, no, not only I, but also my five friends saw and counted the 26 guards. Because of them, we were afraid and we left you alone. At this point in the church in Michigan where the missionary was telling his story, a man jumped to his feet and said, can you tell me the exact day that this took place? 
The missionary thought for a moment and was able to give the exact date. And the man in the church continued, when it is night in Africa, it is morning here. That morning, I was preparing to go and play golf. And as I was putting my golf bag in my car, I felt God leading me to pray for you. The urging was so strong that I called the men in this church to meet here and pray for you. So would all of the men stand up that came and prayed on that day? And altogether, 26 men were standing. Wow, wow, our God is greater, our God is greater. If that man had just thought, no, I'm just gonna play my round of golf, what a difference that could have made. Prayer works. Might not work how we see it or expect it, but prayer works. Do you know, that tells me that God is with us. We may just need to open our eyes to who he is and what he's doing. God knows you this morning and all that you're in the middle of. He is powerful. He is sovereign. Even when the circumstances don't change, he is still with you. Dothan for Elisha saw a great miracle. For Joseph, it was a different story. But both of them saw God glorified because they walked with him. How did Elisha have peace and not panic? Prayer, relationship time spent with God. So this morning, where do we need to have open eyes? Where do we need to have open hearts? Where do we need to have peace? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you this morning that you know all, that you know us, that you're with us, that you're powerful and mighty to save. Father God, I thank you for all that you do. I thank you for the story of Elisha, but I thank you for that story from about 30 years ago that is amazing. And so often we don't know what our prayers are doing. So tonight and today, sorry, we cast our cares on you. We say, God, have your way, but we ask you, God, open our eyes and hearts to see you. Open our ears to hear you. And Father God, give us a, a desire to spend time with you. To not just play a game to not just pretend, to not leave this service and go straight back to the disobedience that we're in. Father God, we need to cut off the things that cause us to stumble and fall. Father God, we need to remove the stuff that, that grabs us and drags us down. Father God, we need to say you first and I second. So this morning, I pray that you will give people a desire Stir up in our hearts a passion for your name. And open our eyes that we might see you. In Jesus' name, amen.